Welcome to the fifth episode of the Model 284 podcast. My name is Sam Walzak, and I'm joined by Mark Richards, and we're sponsored by Wallace Carlson Printing. Today is Monday, May 21st, and on today's show, we bring you up to speed with everything that's been going on with the model, dig into our hockey league translation factors, and then we interview professional hockey player and former St. Olaf hockey player Peter Lindblad. If you enjoy this podcast or our previous podcast, we'd appreciate ratings, reviews, and make sure you are subscribed on iTunes. With that, let's get started. It's been a little while since we've had a show. I think our last show was towards the end of March Madness, end of March, beginning of April, but we're back. Mark, how you doing? Doing good. Still recovering from Nevada, waiting to hear if our Martin our Martin twins are returning next year for another year of betting, which now we have sports betting, um, we potentially do. We do. becoming, well, it can now be legal by state. I, I think technically it's not illegal. Yeah, that's that's probably the way that it is, right? So it's like, and I still don't fully understand this, but it seems like it's by each state can now enact, you know, legalized sports betting in some fashion. And right, and some states already have the ball rolling on that, New Jersey being the first, and supposedly they're going to be taking bets as soon as Memorial Day. So um, we'll see how that develops. With our luck, Minnesota will probably be about... 2035 by the time it becomes legalized here yeah yeah i was looking at places in new jersey it seems like it's a fairly good place to live so we'll be out there in a couple (laughs) weeks and batting games but in the you know since march madness we're now like full blown into nba and nhl playoffs and it's been i can't believe that that the nba has been off since tuesday but i think sam you were saying that they set the the NBA Finals dates in advance, and that's probably from a business perspective. Yeah, I've got a lot of people griping about all this time off between NBA games, and I don't know exactly why that is, but I think part of the reason is that they set the NBA Finals, so they even probably at the beginning of the NBA year, they'll say NBA Finals Game 1 is June 1st or whatever the day is, and they have to stick to that regardless of how fast the playoff series advance. So I'm guessing it's partially because they want to give the players rest and partially because they stick, have to stick to those finals dates. Yeah, I just know the reason probably why hockey is better than basketball. Anyway, <laughs> just kidding. But um, anyway, we do have some NBA models that have been kind of projecting a variety of things. Sam's been kind of point man on, on running and cranking out some of our spread and total models. And I think they've done decently well thus far in the playoffs yeah they have so through um we're recording this on on saturday um so there'll be a houston golden state and a cleveland boston game over the weekend but through game two of each of those series the spread model is 38 28 and 2 57 percent and then the total model is 41 and 27 so 60 percent so they've been doing doing very well um We'll see. We'll see how it plays out as as the rest of the playoffs unfold. But as Mark mentioned, we've got um, a NBA playoff game predictions post on the site, and that has our spread and total predictions for every single game. And we're kind of updating that every day or every three days, depending on when the games land. Um, so we've got that, and then Eric King has been working on our series predictions. So that's a model that's just looking at who's going to win a given series. And he can also use that to do a simulation of the playoffs and have probabilities of each team winning the title or getting to the NBA Finals, etc. I think now that we're in the Final Four, that has Houston as the favorite, as it did at the beginning of the playoffs. Um, I think they have, according to our numbers, 55% chance of winning, and that's up from, I think, 42% at the beginning of the playoffs. Um, But that one has a lot of love for the Rockets, and... I think that makes sense since they're a heavy sports analytics team and I would I would assume that their their stats look very good in the variables that are good predictors of wins since that's yeah. probably how they're optimizing their team. Yeah, definitely like more I'm sure we've heard rumors of like they have like 
televisions above each locker that shows like you know various stats i'm sure it's like adjusted plus minus everything you can think of or the four factors and whatnot so houston's obviously huge on that but i think this is interesting too because we see this across a lot of models that are predicting houston to win and i think boston to a degree and then some people you know kind of have the mindset and i think we both think this too sam that golden state and lebron historically have you know they might not be their postseason might not if it's built off regular season stats that might not be representative if you think they step up their level of play or there's you know different factors in the postseason when you go to a shorter lineup and players aren't resting all the time and right and then you obviously have the injury dynamic too so boston going into the playoffs you know half of their regular seasons or two-thirds of their regular season games had Kyrie irving playing which is you know a theoretically a much better team and so we were a little bit skeptical of Boston going into the playoffs because our models liked them but at the same time you probably have to discredit them to a degree since they don't have Kyrie Irving anymore but we've seen them obviously not miss a beat and Brad Stevens MVP just rolling on up 2-0 on LeBron right now yeah it's crazy what he's done especially with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum oh Jason Tatum is yeah he was, that was Danny Ainge looks like a genius for yeah. and and who much who's to know because it's like it, I mean he's obviously the guy that gets the most reward and and when they're bad would get the most hate on him as well but you know being at like sports analytics conference we hear all about how Harvard works with and they have like two statisticians constantly in games so I think there's some people behind the scenes that should be earning credit but we just don't know how to do all that out so Danny Ainge who has done a good job I'm not saying he hasn't but I'm sure there's other places. Yeah. Um, at any rate. So, anyways, that's we've got NBA playoffs in full force. Um, if you're interested in that or looking at the lines, head over to the site and check those out. Um, obviously, we also have NHL playoffs going on right now, and Mark has been kind of doing a lot of the same concepts that we just discussed for NBA for the NHL games. So, Mark, how's that model been doing? It's good. It, what's I like more about the NHL is the NBA. It's like, okay, we all – everyone could say Golden State and Houston was going to go and be in the Western Conference Finals. Like, it's honestly kind of boring to me. But NHL, there's much more randomness involved, and it's fun to kind of dissect lineups. Plus, we had the expansion team Vegas there, so – yeah, I think one thing that articulates that well, I talked about our simulation of the playoffs, and we had Houston with a 55% chance of winning once the Final Four started. And the hockey one, I think all four teams in the Final Four had between a 21 and 29% chance of winning. So basically, oh, even evenly yeah. spread across the four teams, and wouldn't be surprising if any one of them won the Stanley Cup. Right, and that that's what's interesting. And I, I think... I mean, our models actually has done really well. We had Vegas versus Winnipeg in the Western Conference, and then we have Vegas from before um, the tournament started or playoffs started. We had Vegas making it to the to the finals and facing Tampa Bay. So. Yeah, so we did. We posted a bracket at the very beginning of the playoffs that would be, you know, who our model would advance in a bracket style. Um, and I think the only series we've gotten wrong is Pittsburgh over Washington, and that was pretty much a toss-up well, anyways, wasn't it? So, it, I mean, in, a, in the head-to-head, it had Washington winning the series. When you, when you look at simulations, so, for instance, Vegas right now, we actually had Winnipeg winning this series, but Vegas more often made it out of the Pacific Division or Conference into the finals so they had a better chance of making it to the nhl finals and therefore that's why we had picked them but head to head and this this is how washington had a better chance to lose to columbus than pittsburgh did to philadelphia so when it's a close matchup like that you oftentimes you want the you have a better bet of a team that's more often going to make it to the next round so that's kind of the idea behind that but i think going forward Tampa Bay looks like a still looks like a really good bat. Now that's two to two in that series, and they have home ice back. So that I think still holding true, that would be the mo- what the model would say going forward. So what do you think about that series with the two the two road teams, or I guess all four games the road team has won? What do you think is, is home ice factored into the models that you're using? Yeah, so home ice in any sports model is obviously going to have a very depending on the sport, have a different effect. In hockey, it's been kind of shown by a number of people that 
home ice actually probably has a bigger advantage because there's so much parity that you that's like one of the variables that sticks out. So it's been very interesting to see. And you actually saw it with a Washington a lot thus far. I think in Columbus they went down 0-2 at home and then 1-2 on the road. So it, they've been just a strange team this year. And Winnipeg won the game 7 on the road too, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, so in a little bit I think it's just kind of it's a random shake, and it's probably the worst Washington team in the last seven years, and yet they're making their run. So Right. Always funny how that works out. So who, if you had to put a number on it right now, who you have coming out on top? I'd take Tampa sticking to, to the, Sticking to the yep. initial projection. But I would love to see Vegas win it, honestly. Yeah, that'd be but cool. But that's just my personal opinion. I think. It'd I mean, be they're, up, they're up 3-1 now, so they're, they're looking good. Um, so anyways... Got got posts up on the NHL playoffs, and we'll have once the the finals get set in both the NHL and NBA, we'll have series win probabilities up on the website. Um, other stuff we've had going on, we've been plugging away with the My Model Monday series, which for those of you who don't know, is just a weekly installment where we have kind of a, a post that's open ended and somewhat related to sports analytics, um, where we dive into a number of topics. Mark, you want to? go through the last couple that we've done yeah so this past week i did one on understanding the impact of hits in the nhl so it's looking at the statistic hits and how that affects winning and points and then a couple others where eric king did one on diving into technical fouls in the nba sam did one on the pythagorean wins in the nba and nhl and then lastly jack did uh jack werner did a a visualization of hitter performance in the mlb so we're going to continue to be rolling those out on mondays they're going to be you know all sorts of you know visualization to simple questions of uh statistical investigation so be sure to to continue to you know stay interested i think those are really fun and um we'll keep rolling them out Alrighty, so fre- fresh off the press here at Mile Two Eighty Four, we just released our our newest project, which is in the hockey world. It's a hockey league translation factors, and so just to give a quick like background, what's imp- inspiration? Like, what can these be used for? I'll say I'm pretty fired up about them. I think it's pretty cool because I I played hockey myself, but the purpose of this project was just to project player performance across hockey leagues, so from one hockey league to another. And by performance, that can be measured in, in this case, it's measured in goals and assists or points. And then, so kind of give you an example of what I'm saying by like projecting league to league. You t- Say you take a player that played college hockey, Quinn Hughes at Michigan, and you want to know how he's going to perform in the NHL. I think, you know, most people, whether he's a statistician or a couch potato, is going to like go online, look at, you know, statistics of the player themselves and then how other players in the NCAA have projected kind of building their own little oh like model that says something like that but what I wanted to do is create factors so you could you know give yourself a numeric value for players and kind of you know cut across leagues and you know that could be used for a wide variety of leagues and whatnot so obviously there's tons of hockey leagues and junior leagues and high school leagues and professional leagues in Europe aside from the the NHL um for those of us obviously I I didn't play hockey not as familiar with the leagues as you are um you want to give us some background on how the leagues are set up what all the different leagues are so obviously in in football there's pretty much just high school football college football and nfl and you know ignoring arena league and stuff like that <laughs> XFL. Um, and and baseball there's you know high school college but also a big farm system um how how does hockey fit into that realm yeah so hockey is definitely interesting and i think it's like as you mentioned a lot it's it's not as similar to those traditional like sporting structure and other american sports uh, for instance, like, you know, you have, I think it's more that you have players in the NHL coming from a lot of different countries, and then within those countries, they all have their own leagues, and you could play in, like, there's, like, probably four or five, you know, key leagues in the U.S. that could lead you to playing into the NHL, and you kind of have different paths based on where you live, so. Right, but even in the U.S., I mean, there's there's junior leagues, and people still get drafted out of high school, but there's Division One, and Division Three, and AHL. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's I'll just like run through the U.S. structure of it. So like before high school, starting way out when you're you're a little kid, like you have squirts, which is like eight to 10, peewees, 11 to 12, bantams, 13 to 14 and age grouping. Then you get to high school. And in high school, besides for Minnesota, high school hockey is just brutal. So it's not like, you know, football or like high school football in Texas. Maybe is, is, is Minnesota known for, for hockey in other states? Yeah. So people know Minnesota is like a, the hub in the United States for hockey, I would hmm. say. And especially for high school hockey. Like nobody plays high school hockey in other states. So, you know, what do you, what do, you do then? Well, a lot of them will go to a prep school. One so like Shattuck, right. which is in Minnesota, but they're you know they'll play all over. Is Shattuck like one of the best in the country? Yeah, yeah. so like Crosby, Jonathan Taze, yeah. huge names have went there as well as you know they'll get like all levels of competition or levels of play from players and they'll go all over. So they're just like a huge hockey school. But there's other on the in the Northeast. There's a lot of schools like Choate. Um, Taft is another prep school, and those get they produce some good players as well. But then beyond for that, so like say you have Connor Quinn, fan of the program from St. Louis, like he's gonna play from Ferguson. Yeah, he might play like high school in his state, but he, really where he's gonna get his development is in like what they call tier one elite under eighteen age um, hockey, and so that's that's like traveling. So you'd be like for the St. Louis. Blues, Junior Blues, they call it, I think, is a team. And they'd play, like, a Dallas team or Michigan, Little Caesars. And so you play all over, which is a barrier of entry for hockey, right? So it's because it's so expensive and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they're at that age, nobody's watching, so there isn't any money to pay for that. Right. And once you get out of that, you know, kids even in high school will leave to play junior hockey, as you mentioned. So in the United States, the, the top, they do it in tiers. Tier 1 is the USHL, the United States Hockey League. Tier two is the North American Hockey League, or the NAL, they call it. And that's, like, rough and tumble, like, big, a lot of fights. like. But yet there's, st- there's still a good talent in that league. And then lower than that, they have tier three hockey leagues. There's a, there's a wide variety of those. I played in one in, called the Eastern Junior Hockey League that morphed into another league now. But, you know, Charlie Coyle had played in that league, but then also players that couldn't even play college hockey played in it. So it, it's kind of a widespread, and and they're they're regionally based a little bit too more. So so um, you can only play, is it three years of juniors? Or is it four? Well, so it's, it's, it's under it's based 20. Okay. Yeah, so, like, you could enter. They could have you play. I don't know if they have Is there anyone in your data that has, like, 15 years of juniors? <laughs> <laughs> well, Seth Ambrose from Minnesota, he was, like, a man child. Like, he was, like, fully grown, 6'3", 200. At age five. At, it, like, literally, like, 14. or So he's, like, a freshman in high school, and he's that size. And I think he played in the USHL as a freshman in high school, which is incredible. Like, that league is, like... Johnny Goudreau, who plays for the Flames now, played in it, a number of NHLers. So John Carlson, I believe, played in it for the Capitals. So that's a really high-producing league. But at any rate, once you get you know out of junior hockey under 20, then you enter like NCAA, which you have Division One and Division Three, And then that's like you could play from 18 to 25 is kind of that range. Some kids come, I don't know how, but they'll play at like 27. I don't know if they're sitting around for a couple of years or what. But anyway, and then after that, obviously you have the NHL, the American Hockey League, the AHL, Minor League, and then the Eastern Coastal Hockey League, which is below the AHL, and then the Federal Hockey League and SPHL or some other lower-level professional leagues in the U.S. All right, I think, I've, I think I've got the entire structure memorized now. So, all right, so we've got all these leagues. Obviously, the, the main goal of this is to say – you know, if player player X is playing in League A and next year they're going to be playing in League B, how many points would we expect them to average in their new league using data from their previous leagues? Right, yep. So, like, we can essentially, we can look at all the comparisons of players that, that played now, their point production in League A and League B, and then from there we can, you know, map all those data points and then you can kind of build a regression model that gives assigns a coefficient that would say, okay, in player, if you average this amount, 
It assigns a coefficient that will you would apply to your points per game in League A to get your points per game in League B. Right, so dumbing it down, you know, if, if we're talking about going from an average junior league to the NHL, which you wouldn't do, but just as an example, um, so if you average one point per game in that junior league, obviously you would probably expect to average less in the NHL because it's a more competitive league with better players, and so you would apply your coefficient run that run a player through the model and it might say that you'd expect them to average 0.2 points per game in the nhl right yeah exactly that's getting to and there's a few things to think about when you do run it and we'll talk about those later but yeah essentially that that's the idea right so you you can kind of make that that transition um but you know kind of how we build it all out is we can compare all the leagues to each other and then you can you know average that out across all the comparisons of leagues so ahl to nhl the um, echl the eastern coastal hockey league to the nhl the ushl to the nhl and then you can kind of as you compare it across every single league and then the ushl to the nahl you can start to kind of converge on a value that's saying you know this is historically embedding some you know assumptions into that is kind of how much point production will will transfer. Sure. So before we get too far in depth here, um, we should say there is a Mark wrote up a long article that's up on the website um, that goes into a lot more detail. So if you're really interested in this, I encourage you to go read that. Um, probably easy might be easier to follow or go addresses some things that we won't address here. But at any rate, that's up on the website. So now we have a little bit of background on what this project is. Um, what what do we use this for? So in my mind, the first things that come to mind would be similar to the example I gave. When players switch leagues, we want to know how they, how they would expect to perform in their new league. Um, most importantly, I would assume, is into the NHL. Um, how, how do we expect players to perform in the NHL based on their previous leagues? So you could use that for um, drafting, um, you could use it for recruiting at lower levels of hockey. Um, what what kind of things did you have in mind when you put this project together? Yeah, so I think honestly, it was a a little bit inspired by like thinking about like the NCAA Division three level at Saint Olaf, where we didn't we didn't really have I would say resources or uh, yeah, probably resources is the best way to say it to like go out and watch every game or spend the time to like research players and and so. What I was thinking about is you could easily, you know, I wanted to just, like, give myself a baseline of a pool of players that I could, like, look at or I could, you know, I say I, I had recruited or watched a couple of players play. I want to kind of check how that, like, traditionally or historically had, like, their production would transfer the division. So, like, let's say you're the head coach at St. Olaf and you could take, you, you've got all this data, every hockey player that's ever lived. And you say, I want to look at all the current players from Junior Hockey League and Minnesota State High School Hockey League in North America and then kind of see which players you should be trying to recruit. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a lot of just like assumptions I had. Like I always thought like, oh, you should take players from, you know, and I talked about this with a teammate of mine, Connor Quinn, that I mentioned earlier, played at St. Olaf with me, that you you know, take like NAHL players, if they, you know, were able to play games and produce some points in that league, I think they translated better to Division Three than players that played in Tier 3 leagues that were kind of middle-producing point producers. Right. And and that's that was kind of like theories and assumptions I had. So then, you know, I wanted to, one, put those to the test, and then, two, use them as you kind of yeah. outlined. And building on that further, you could probably – especially when you have more years coaching, you've seen a lot of players come through through different leagues. You could kind of use this as a check on your on your gut to see, hey, we've had five players from this league that all did really well. Maybe I should recruit more from this league. Or, you know, we've had 10 players from this league and they didn't really fit our style of play. You know, does the model verify that? Should we not be recruiting from that league? That type of thing, too. Yeah, definitely. That's that's exactly right. So it's it's and again, it's a, I think before we dive like into the results too much of anything, it is just a tool. Like I'm not gonna say I would be exactly predicting what. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, it it doesn't have a hundred percent accuracy. So 
It, well, we might as well end the show right there. This is worthless. Yeah, it's it's pretty much worthless. So, so another um, before we get into the results, another use of this that we haven't talked about yet would be um, kind of comparing leagues to each other. Um, I don't know. Is this is this something where you could get a ranking for what's the best league? Um, is there an extension of this that would meet yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I think you can look at look at it as you can look at rankings of leagues from this but I think you need to understand a few things before you do that like this isn't meant to analyze quality of play right so like for instance you're gonna see leagues where the average age is like 15 or 16 and it's ranked higher than like a low-level professional league based on the trans transition value that we come to or translation value we come to and so, and that's really because it's looking at, you know, the mean. So, like, say you had a player that played in the USHL at 17, and then he played in the AHL at, like, 24. And those values are, like, you know, fairly close in what the value of the league is. And maybe even the USHL came out ahead. Really, it's, you know, it, you're comparing a player playing at that time. So, you're saying eight years of additional career projection and development till his mean production at age 25 in that other league. So when you do rank and compare, you you really should look at a subset of the ages that are being used. Sure. And, I mean, I do like to look at it, you know, without looking at that and just kind of compare and, you know, kind of sift through it. But it, it's important to understand that. And even within our calculation then, because of the we're using kind of a, a mean age factor when you're translating, we do apply aging curves where appropriate to leagues. So, for instance, if you produced at, you know, age 18, Connor McDavid is in the NHL producing 0.8 points per game. Well, you certainly, like, well, by the time he's 24, he's going to be producing a lot more. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's at 0.8 then, you can probably predict and historically see that he should produce more at age 24, which is kind of the 25, which is more of the mean, closer to the mean of our NHL league so then you can scale his numbers up or scale them down based on that age factor okay so so before we're digging into results you're saying that you're you're doing some adjustments for age and that's that's reflected in our models correct exactly okay so in terms of other things that the model is or isn't accounting for that we should note um so you have you wrote about in the article league changes so rules changing um, obviously scoring has changed over time and you have a plot in the the post that kind of shows that scoring has been all over the place with some leagues going down some leagues going up over the last 10 years and some that have just kind of been fairly very variable from year to year um, so so are you not making any direct um adjustments for the changes over time no there's yeah part of the big problem is in that i so yeah there's a lot of changes over time and goals but i didn't have the information for all the leagues so for version one right now i've not made any adjustments for for league scoring changes over time got it and so i mean well, that kind of is what it is at this point i think i don't think it's like renders these useless by any means right but. i don't i mean my my novice level of hockey insights but i don't i wouldn't think that that's as big of a deal as age would be um anything else that 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 you're adjusting for directly um no other big major adjustments i mean you have style play differences which we'll we'll bring that up with peter of uh, you know differences in the fact that like you know in european leagues versus north american or they're just general like goal scoring differences in leagues right what about i know there's different rink sizes in hockey are those consist like within league a are they always playing on the same rink size or does it vary even within leagues no it's well within leagues it's usually uh, it depends it gets hairy but at the top level leagues it's usually the same so, but it can even change within league, the ring size. Yeah, there's an Olympic sheet, which is much wider. I actually played on it in high school. We were the only high school teams that had that. And then there's an NHL size rink, they call it, which is smaller in dimension. So obviously, like, more room to work. So it's it's a little bit changes the game. All right, so getting into the actual results now, um, maybe start off with 
if you were to do kind of the league ranking like we talked about, is does the NHL come out on top like we'd expect it to? Yeah, thankfully it did. So that's like the first gutch. It didn't have, it didn't have the, the Minnesota State High School Hockey League coming I, out on top? I almost made an adjustment to throw that in the top ten just because I'm such a homer about that. But, yeah, so NHL came out one. And then the World Cup of Hockey, which is a, a recently new um, tournament that kind of came out again, and that came out too as a kind of a world competition. The Swedish Hockey League, the SHL in Sweden, that's the top professional league, came out third. Then four was the Continental Hockey League, the KHL, which is primarily in Russia. And it has some teams kind of scat- scattered in Europe and, and Asia too. And then lastly is the World Championships, which that occurs in May. And usually some NHL players will play in it. It's going on right now. So like, like some of the people who have already gotten eliminated yeah, from the exactly. playoffs. Are in so it, yeah. it, it is a high level of competition. So okay. and that's intuitively, you know, it makes some sense that it comes out right. like that. So. And then in terms of projecting points into the NHL at the player level, what are some of the people who have come out the highest? Right. So we were able to kind of go back and use only the statistics that we had for them prior to their entering the NHL. So kind of historical glance at this. Crosby came out as our highest in our data. That's good. Over a point per game production at his, you know, his at mean age, which is good to see. And then you got Connor McDavid was second. Um, Patrick Kane was third. And then a couple other top guys were John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Evgeny Malkin, and Patrick Laine, which it's good to see that those top guys are the guys. I mean, they were all sure. top yeah. picks. So that's that's the best gut check, I would say. Yeah. But what I will say, in which I like, some, some Russian sleepers that were late-round picks. And they could have been a late-round pick because teams were worried that they wouldn't come over. But Nikita uh, Gusev, uh, he was a seventh-round pick. Now Vegas owns his rights. He, um, we had him projected as nearly 0.7 points per game before he was drafted in the seventh round. And then the Wilds prospect, uh, Kaprasov, um, fifth rounder, we had him at .64 points per game projected before he was drafted, and that was he was all the way to the fifth round. So which, this this might be a dumb question. Are the top players in any given year in the NHL? I would assume averaging like around a point per game. Yeah. What's like an average player? Like point two. So I would five? say so you play eighty two games. It's probably like a second or third line forward. So you get into the trickiness of forward and defenseman production. Right. So they're different scales, but forward specifically, like middling, you know, second or third line would be like, I'd say 40 points ish, 35, 40 points would be like a average. Gotcha. So that would be a half a point a game. Okay. So 0.7 or 0.6 is above right. average. And what I will say, and I noticed coming out, which you're going to see in a lot of projection models it didn't have like super extremes, right? So, and that's because you're Which using is good, the, yeah, I think. right. So it's going to be a little more conservative. So I kind of like to look at that distribution compared to what the actual distribution of points per games is for players, and you can kind of scale it out, right? So right. part of the dissecting it. So, so obviously, you talked about your initial kind of spark for this idea came from saying, "Oh, if have you gone back and." ran some of the the St. Olaf players through this yes in fact I have Sam (laughs) I gotta put my I thought this was fun because I gotta put myself and I was working with myself in the data which is weird but it's kind of fun I guess at some some level um so I was able to like go back and project and compare to like some of the guys I played with and Peter Lindblad who we'll have on later he was one of the guys too I was able to look at so it actually like projected pretty well which is cool you can kind of go check out the projections we have out there but another cool, like, another applicable example outside of the NHL that I think I posted recently to Twitter was the USHL has a draft, too. So they have a futures draft of young players that are, like, age 15-ish, right? And so I I took all their stats and ran them through our, our models here and, and kind of created, like, a projected point total for the first-round players' pick. So um, one of the interesting ones was Owen Power, but... He's committed to Michigan, a defenseman that projected average zero point seven seven points per game, and he's like six foot five and looks like a very good prospect. He was drafted in the OHL, but he's committed to Michigan, so it'll be interesting to see how some of these projections pan out. And so cool. Well, obviously a lot of uses for this, and I'm sure you'll be expanding it moving forward. But 
Um, as I mentioned, we've got a long post up on the website that goes into some more detail on this. So if you're interested, go check that out. Today's Model 284 podcast is brought to you by Wallace Carlson Printing. Wallace Carlson is a Minnesota-based printing company that has been in business for over 86 years and is built on delivering a remarkable client experience. Whether you need product catalogs, custom clothing, wedding or party invitations, marketing collateral, packaging, business cards, posters, or any other custom printing, you will not be disappointed by the team at Wallace Carlson who will execute your vision to the highest standards. For all your printing needs, check out wallacecarlson.com, email info at wc-printing.com or give them a call at 952-545-1645. All right. Hello, everyone. We are joined by Peter Albert Lindblad, professional hockey player in the top Norwegian league, top professional Norwegian league and friend of the program. He's also my teammate at St. Olaf. Peter, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Good to be here. Well, I'm, I'm glad you are here. So I think, uh, Sam, I think you're going to get us rolling here, but we do need to get things started here with some baseline questions so we can get our, our little orb guy here kind of sensed on your senses. So, All right. Sam, you want to get her going? So we need to verify, is your name Peter Lindblad? Uh, that would be correct. Yeah, Peter Albert Lindblad. Uh, can you answer yes or no for these, please? <laughs> All right. That's all we need. Um, are you a professional hockey player in Norway? Yes. Does 2 plus 2 equal 4? Yeah. Do you like to drink alcoholic beverages? Absolutely. Yes. Do you have exactly 7 Twitter followers? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, we will answer that one for you. Yes, you do. Sam, <laughs> Sam's doing another double right. check on this yeah, work we'll, right we'll here. Get a live live update. Yeah, seven. Seven. Wow. And you I'm have not good. you have not tweeted once. Zero tweets for Peter Albert on Twitter. <laughs> All right. It's a good ratio. The next question is going to be at the end of this long Twitter or thread that I'm going to read from Donald J. Trump. Russia said the unverified report paid for political opponents is. A complete and total fabrication. Utter nonsense. Very unfair. Russia has never tried to use leverage over me. I have nothing to do with Russia. No deals, no loans, no nothing. I win an election easily. A great movement is verified and crooked opponents try to belittle our victory with fake news. A sorry state. Intelligence agencies should never have allowed this fake news to leak into the public. One last shot at me. Peter, are we living in Nazi Germany? (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to have no comment on that. I do like the uh, little jab at Hillary, though. I win in an election easily, so that's a, that's a nice little stab there. Yeah, you got to love the Russian play there, too, for Donald J. At any rate, enough with that nonsense now that we've got you established here with the Orb. Um, to give you guys just a little bit more background on Peter, so he played high school hockey in Minnesota, for a small town, what was it, Morris Benson High School? Uh, well, yeah, we were Benson High School, but we had to combine with uh, Morris, uh, a neighboring town, just so we could have a hockey team. And that's what, west of, of the cities, about two hours out of Minneapolis? Yeah, well, um, probably two and a half hours out, uh, just west of Wilmer. And you guys had, what, two forward lines and three defensemen? Is that um, what it was? Or two defensemen? Well, I guess my senior year, technically, we had three forward lines but uh, we had three foreign exchange students on the team who you know it's I mean if we didn't have them we'd have two so yeah we didn't have a big squad it was probably 15 guys max (laughs) yeah maybe it's so funny to hear you say it's like to to give listeners kind of a contrast I was in a suburb of Minneapolis at Wyzetta and we probably had like 250 kids at each age level like trying out for stuff so we had like we could have had like five JV teams as a part of it so so very different backgrounds Peter and I have growing up playing hockey but some for some stats for everybody out there Peter and this is self-reported had 132 <laughs> points in 70 games in high school. You don't have that in the data? Should have oh, I do now because bit. Peter gave it to me, so they didn't have that floating around the web. I should have. Should have gave well, it to Do you know what your penalty minutes was? Oh, uh, not at all. 
You I've get never any been suspensions a, out of that league? Not in high school, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after high school, Peter then played junior hockey in what was then the Minnesota Junior Hockey League for Granite City. He had 65 points in 84 games. You want to verify those stats? Uh, those are actually uh, kind of false because I have on Elite Prospects, There's two. I have two accounts because they spelt my last name wrong for one year. Wow. See, this is this is exactly why I want to so bring this up. Uh, there's a year out there that's just kind of floating around missing. Yep. So this is this is part of my point of like the the I think I make in the article about the reliability and availability of data for hockey is just not there. Like, I mean, to Peter's thing, there's just like wrong stats, wrong collection. Anybody that plays hockey knows that. Well, especially as you go down levels. It's just yeah. not going to be as as Because no one cares. Like, yeah. people aren't watching. Like, people aren't there. You have, like, well, I mean, I don't know. How many people went to your junior hockey games? Host families. <laughs> couple parents. You know. Like, not, I had. How many at all? Yeah. I'm more, way more in high school than I did in junior and college, for that matter. We barely had any. Yeah, I've, I've been so used to seeing seeing <laughs> seats in the stands that are wide open. Yeah. Um. At, at any rate, then Peter and I played hockey at St. Olaf together, and Peter went on to have a little more successful career than me. He did earn all-conference honors while he was there. He was one of our, our top players, and he was, he was a forward. And I think you had you were about a point-per-game player uh, your senior year at St. Olaf. And then after that, he made his way out to Norway with one of our teammates, Ole Daniel, who was from Norway. And... Um, you know, you had kind of an interesting path, you know, a lot. So, so Peter went to play, what is it, the Get Liga? Yeah, Get Ligan. Yeah, yeah Ligan. So that league, that's a, a fairly competitive league. And typically American players that have historically come over there, some of them have even played time in the NHL. They've been Division One players. And Peter even think he'll talk about it, but he even played with some Division One players. So, Peter, why don't you give us some kind of background on your story of how you made that transition from the Division Three to the top Norwegian league? Yeah, so the, the story of getting there is pretty interesting. Um, I spent the entire summer after, after senior year trying to find a place to play and knew I wanted to go overseas, uh, over into the Europe area. And So how do you um, do that? Do you talk to agents or uh, just... It's kind of word of mouth, yeah. So I had talked to a couple people that have played in the past and tried to reach out to agents, but of course I'd, you know, they'd ghost me and yeah, didn't even look like, look at me as a real. Well, they probably ran you through so. the model. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, oh, this that, guy's only gonna average. We'll get, we'll get to that at some point, but they they might have been looking at that elite prospects page with the missing year. <laughs> yeah. They must have been looking at my other one. You got to file suit again. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty funny. One of the guys that I reached out to uh, after after school actually uh, messaged me on Facebook this summer asking if I needed an agent, and I was like, "No, well, I've got myself covered." Now. <laughs> Thanks for that. You're only that. two years too late. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's just classic business strategy right yeah. there. <laughs> after someone yeah. had success, then you go back and rekindle. Yeah. yeah, but circling back to the story here, um, Oli Daniel, he grew up in the Mangalore um, system, so they have, you know, their U20, U18, all those teams that he played for growing up, and then he made the transition to to the U.S. and played Division Three at St. Olaf, and so every summer he would go back to Norway and um, skate with all the Mangalore guys, because he kind of grew up with them that were playing on the team, and so he got his in through that and signed a contract, um, and then he pretty much went to the coach and said, like, hey, I think uh, this guy, if, if you could get him over here for a, for a two-week tryout, you know, I think he'll make the team help us out a little bit. So that's pretty much how I got my foot in the door. I packed my bags in a, in a week and went over as if I was going to stay. And One-way plane ticket then? No, it was two-way. I, <laughs> I, I booked it for, you know, three weeks after I landed, so if I didn't make the team, I'd just go travel Europe by myself for a week, live a little lonely life over there, but uh, it happened to work out, so I just changed the flight date and stayed for the season. So you had, did you try out for the entire two weeks, or is it like one practice and then the coach is like, um, you're going to make the team? or It was... 
probably after four or five practices, they're like, yeah, we just have to figure out um, the logistics side of it, all the paperwork that you have to go through, but uh, you should be fine so you can, you know, switch your flight. But I didn't change it right away because I wanted to talk to them about how much money I was going to make. Right. So To make sure I wasn't yeah. getting screwed over the first yeah. entire year. So and you probably had, like, no context for, for yeah. what you were... Yeah. What's a good amount of money, what's not, and what they usually pay people. And yep, so the only thing I knew was uh, what Ole Daniel was getting. and So I had to kind of go off of that and figure out how much I'm going to need to survive over there almost for the first year. <clears throat> That's interesting. So did you, didn't, did you get an agent then when you were in contract negotiations? No. That, that was, was like solo, Peter Limblad, like St. Olaf graduate. Yeah. Yeah, that was using all of my, my one intro to econ class to <laughs> get myself a contract. Well, that's, yeah, that's quite the story and, you know, definitely, probably. So, like, your first couple practices there, what were, did you not really know what to expect or was it um, immediately like, holy crap, this is very different from Division Three, or is it similar? What was the first impressions? Um, I, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect at all, but... Um, I already knew Ole made the team, and, you know, I could yeah. base myself off of that. So I Like, I'm way better than Ole, so I'll be fine. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but, you know, I'd have something to kind of base myself off. So I knew if I went over and, you know, just played how I usually play, I th- thought I'd have a pretty good chance. But it does depend, too, on how many spots they have for imports open. Right. Because you can only play seven in a game. So um, they have it split up where they have to have a certain amount of local people? Yep, so then the rest of the team is all Norwegians, and then any import is, you know, Swedish, Danish, U.S., Canadian guys, all of those guys. So it's, and it's easier for teams to have um, players from the European Union because the paperwork goes through a lot faster. Right, that makes and sense. And then it's easier for them to, you know, find a job on the side if they want to do that, rather than the U.S. and Canada guys where, I mean, you pretty much just play hockey. So you speak fluent Norwegian now? Uh, you know, after a couple adult beverages, I get a little better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what isn't it like? What is it? I think you told me like fifty bucks for a liter of like Captain yeah, over there. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely spendy. Is everything super expensive? Um, like for the most part, wine, yeah. And food is. Yeah. So yeah, they're just. Oh, it's awful. it's like drinking at a you know Twins game or a Wild game when you go out to the bar. So it, yeah, it oh. gets very expensive. Gosh, their half off good. nights are you know seven dollar beers. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking to dig into the wallet for a while. Okay. So so Peter obviously has played in a lot of different leagues, from high school, juniors, NCAA Division three, and now Norwegian league. So we thought he would be a good person to have on. Obviously, a lot of application to the, the translation factors that we've discussed. Um, so, Mark, I think you've got a couple numbers for Peter here. Yeah, so Peter, I'm, so basically, I'll just read the numbers first, and then I'll, I'll try to get your commentary on, on how or why you think you differed or outperformed or underperformed the model. So we predicted that, Based on your high school stats that you reported to me and your corrected elite prospect stats, that you would produce about 0.5 points per game at the Division three level over your career, and you actually produced 0.65. And then following your Division three, we actually did predict that you would point, uh, produce 0.68 points per game in the Norwegian League, and after your really really good uh, season this past year you produced actually now a career 0.86 in the Norwegian Hockey League uh, so you basically you basically outperformed your prediction in both cases you know that's good I hope I continue to do that <laughs> you know, but uh, it's interesting because um, going from juniors to college I uh, didn't really know what to expect, where to fit into the lineup, and even if I would make the lineup freshman year. But a lot of it has to do with role and, you know, which players are there at the time. Um, but I had a good coach in Lee Gorin. Give a little shout-out to him who really helped me offensively um, my sophomore year, which was really my, you know, breakout year in college. So 
And by help you, what what exactly did he like? What sorts of tips and tricks did he give you? To, um, anything in particular? You know, quarter pie is a big thing that we we would talk about for you know any of the hockey guys out there. They maybe know of the term or the little soft area in the slot, but you know, I pretty much told him that he saved my hockey career one night. But that's besides the fact. Um, yeah, that's interesting because. You know, I I was reading Steve Shea. Uh, he's kind of a he's a, a PhD mathematician that did a book on hockey analytics with Chris Baker, who's now works for the NHL and stats. And they were just kind of outlining you know high percentage areas to score. And you know, I obviously played with Peter, so I I witnessed Lee kind of giving Peter the insights on this. And it was interesting to see because they outlined the percentages of areas where goals are scored, and that was one of the highest. So you can see and. This is an example where Lee Gorin, a guy that has like extreme experience, basically a database in his brain of all the goals that were scored and where they were, and he's able to like with that experience make kind of a percentage thing that you see similar to the stats. So I think that's a good connection between like the coaching mentality and the stats. Actually, supporting it with numbers, right? So they like do blend together some, and I think that that was interesting to me to see and, and read about. Um, but anyway, we did, we also did do some projections. Um, so Peter, unfortunately, because you're 27 in the Norwegian league and with our aging adjusting factor, it scales you down and then, um, translates it to the NHL. Um, you, you were 0.07 points in the NHL, which is actually higher than I expected, but. Um, well, who am I playing with? Which team? <laughs> that is, is that's that's the the assumptions, whatever. the errors, the bands that live out there. So it's an average across all teams yeah, and all all possible like you know fourth line, first line, power play, penalty kill. But um, actually, zero point two eight to the AHL, which was again higher. But you're you've actually like it's interesting because this the Norwegian league, and I'd actually like to get your insights a little bit more, but. There's, like, young players that, you know, make the leap to the NHL and NHLers that have played – or guys that have played time in the NHL, as I mentioned, and then played in the Norwegian League. So it is, like, a competitive league, and what you've done is, like, very um, – pretty sweet and, and uh, definitely worth noting. But with that, like, how do you – I guess my first question is kind of – so we talked about styles of play in European leagues versus North American leagues. So I think in the hockey world it's traditionally, like – North Americans like physical and tough, and then European skilled and and soft. Like, did you like in your experiences? Can you, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, you know sort of verified in my opinion, because um, a lot of the U.S. hockey, especially like Division three, it's you know guys that couldn't quite um, get it to the Division one level, maybe skill wise. So it's more of a physical game, trying to use your speed. It, like a dump and chase, um, straight, almost system game. Whereas in Europe, you have a little more open ice. Players are able to make more skill plays, um, and you're not, you know, you're not getting hit as many times. Is sometimes in in college you kind of feel like you're going to get your head taken off in certain games, but in you know in Norway you never really feel that way. Mm. That's interesting. Do you plan? Are all your games on Olympic sheet? Um, Ours is a little weird. So the league is trying to transition over to NHL size. And so there's, you know, five or six that are Olympic size still. And then the others are NHL size. But anytime they do upgrades to the rink, specifically, they have to switch to the NHL size. Gotcha. So do 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 you have games against teams from other leagues or is it always within your league it's always within norway yeah always within the league except uh preseason games will go out and play you know last year we played two teams in in denmark i think that was the only other league that we ever played but yeah we always stick to norway and how's the playoff system set up in your league so we have how many like teams are in the league i guess first 10 teams in the league um eight teams make playoffs and then the bottom two go to relegation, so oh, it's just like, like uh, European soccer, so <laughs> those guys have to do a, you know, a six or five game playoffs with um, the two top teams from Division One, and so whoever comes out of that goes into the, 
league the next year. So this season we had a team that got bounced from uh, the Get League into First Division. So we have a new team coming up next year. But Interesting. And then the playoffs are pretty interesting. So the top team, number one seed, can pick between the eight and seven seed, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. I would so like that can, if I was yeah. the one seed. <laughs> so they can either play... Um, or pick a team that they do better against or, you know, kind of set themselves up for the second round. Does it reseed or is the, like, set the bracket? So if I pick play seven and then two, do they get to make a pick next? Yep, so two picks whoever they didn't pick and then six. six. or eight. So then after the first round, is it, like, there's a bracket set where, like, if three ended up, say we just leave it standard, so it's one, eight, and then, like, four, five. Do I, if I win as the one seed, do I play four or five? Do I get to choose again who I play? You play the, it's so you just pick that. You, you just, just pick, pick for the first, first. round. Okay. Yeah. okay. That would that would be interesting. So what, what seed were you guys this year? We were the seventh seed. Did number one pick to play you? No, they oh, picked they were the scared. They were scared of Peter Albert. <laughs> yeah, they were scared of us, I guess. But it made sense for them. Um, they A couple people thought they would pick us. To play in the first round because I mean we struggle in their rink. They've got a fantastic team, the Stuart Hammer team that won it this year. But um, if we would have played them, they would have had a tougher second round matchup. Yeah. But because we played really tough against the number two team in the league, we had a chance to beat them, and then we would have played Stuart Hammer, which I mean would have been kind of an easy series for them just to get to the finals. So they, um, you know, it's weird each each year with that but it's yeah. yeah that's very interesting um so kind of things that alluded to earlier you mentioned you played the Denmark team or whatever I'm curious from your perspective how the Gitz Ligen or whatever however you pronounce it is how that compares to like other leagues in Europe so obviously we have like Swedish Hockey League and the Continental Hockey League are kind of seen as very high level playing yeah. leagues and from my intuition and from kind of the, the modeling translation values, the, the Norwegian kind of came in the second tier. So I'd just be curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, different leagues and what, what you think of that are kind of comparable or a little bit better that you could still play in and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. You have the Swedish, um, the SHL and the Allsvenska, the two top Swedish leagues that are, you know, better than than the Norwegian league. And then, um, like Finland, they have a good league, but for something that's similar to Norway is probably division one in Sweden. So that would be the third league. Um, Denmark, I think is pretty, pretty similar. Um, certain areas in France, uh, would be similar as well. Yeah. That's actually <laughs> interesting because it did come out that way. So like I, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but I remember off the top of my head, the Division One league in Sweden was like a, a value of like, you know, point six eight or six six or something, and then the the Norwegian league was actually like point seven one. So that's like close on the scale of things. So that that's good to see that's fitting in intuition. And then Allsvenska and SHL were like I think one one point zero one and then one point four two roughly. Yep. So it, it is kind of lining up with what you say, which is. Is a good gut check. So, um, does your team yeah, have test looks right? Yeah. Does your team actively use any statistics, or does your coach cite things, or have you guys looking at stuff, or um, is it not at all? We, our team, I think, is a little out of the ordinary. We don't really do anything. Do you think the other um, teams do? Well, the other teams definitely have scouting reports and things like that because we've found uh, like ripped up pieces of paper that they've had oh. that says, you know, this guy is slow, take a while. <laughs> Pretty much says that our whole team is just not qualified to play in the league. That seems like useful information. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, for you personally, do you, like, do you monitor any stats? Like, are you like, okay, I need to be, you know, plus one, which means you're positive for on the ice for goals, or do you say do you kind of like? I mean, naturally, it's easy to think about goals and assists, but like shots on goal. Is there anything you do personally that you would say that you've kind of historically looked at to measure your performance? Um, nothing any really specific anymore. When I was younger, you obviously look at 
goals and assists per game and that sort of thing. But as you get older, you realize that that's not the only outcome of how well you've played. So you kind of learn that if even if you don't have any points in the game, you might be setting up a, you know, the next line that's going out onto the ice if you wear the other team's defense down or something and kind of get them locked into the zone to where they end up scoring the goal. Um, so you pick up on little things that are, you know, not directly directly uh, put into statistics. But, you know, I always look at um, face-off percentage because I want to make sure that I'm above, you know, 53%, 54% um, throughout the season. So I what were you this year? I believe I ended at 56%. That boy. Um, there you go. Which is kind of surprising because I'm... I haven't taken that many draws since uh, juniors, really, because I didn't do it, you know, take any in college. Yeah, um, interesting. So, okay, how about, like, from a video perspective, do you does your team do any, like, video analysis of your own play? Uh, we don't really do anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be the day before a game, and, you know, our coach will pull down the uh, video feed and, He'll just say, watch the whole first period and see what the other team does, and then he'll just walk out of the room. So we just kind of sit there and watch hockey. I don't think anybody really specifically <laughs> watches what the other team's doing because there's everybody's having little side conversations and wow. looking at phones. So it's not taken as seriously on our team. But for me personally, I would always watch um, the day after. I would watch all my shifts, and then the day before – game against a different team I would go back and watch the last time we played them just to see if I picked up up on on. things that worked or even just stuff in the face-off circle or how their penalty kill is set up um, to help out power play and everything like that makes sense that's that's so that's so funny because when we were at Olaf it was like we would watch the same video (laughs) clip and dissect (laughs) it for an hour where, and yeah. it would take like hours to watch like three video clips. That's that must be <laughs> it's yeah, kind of a funny change. It is very different. So I kind of felt out of the ordinary after spending four years of doing that and then going to Norway where you didn't really do anything. So it was a little bit of a shock until I ended up just doing it all myself. Gotcha. Well, um, what, lastly, before we get to, to a little, um, term terminology or phrase peter invented that he's going to explain to us um what what's your plans to, uh, for next year uh next year i'm still trying to figure it out i've got my agent over in norway um trying to find some deals for me um so it's still up in the air uh, hopefully in the next two weeks i'll have a pretty good idea or be signed by that time but um you never really know so i could be back in norway or maybe jump to a different league and you know, so it's well. Let us know if you need us to see where you project best. Yeah, maybe I should uh, send the model over to the agent. <laughs> he can, you know, put it up to yeah. the. We can do that. Yeah. We can make that work. GMs and figure out how well I would do. Have you have you picked up any new hockey lingo over there? Um, anything good to report back to the U.S.? Not really. Just uh, some, is it the same stuff? Yeah, it's the same stuff. It's you know, people swear at each other and. Do they have the same kind of like? personalities as u.s hockey players or is it yeah i mean it's all the same the locker room is all the same it's just you know forcing yourself into the conversation at times because it it is in norwegian they talk in norwegian most of the time yep and you just you gotta just you jump in or you just you add a few like you act like you know what you're saying (laughs) just like honestly gibberish (laughs) every once in a while you just go up and (laughs) check out how the guys are doing but is there? Is, you say there's more or less smack talk on the ice than Division Three or juniors. Um, I'm not really sure to be honest because they would say, and you have no idea what they're saying. they're saying stuff to me in yeah. Norwegian, and I just respond. I have no idea. What they're saying. <laughs> so, like, if, you, if you're chirping me, I have no clue. But you know, I always throw a couple uh, little chirps out to people. I've gotten more into it actually now than in college. Um, just kind of telling guys they're mental or something like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> Got to get in their heads even, a little bit. Yeah, even guys on the team fooling around in practice, just you know, telling them that I'll beat them wide or something. You know, just kind of fun little things. 
Nice. All right. Well, with that, uh, Peter's gonna. So so Peter came up with this. Uh, actually, it was me and him came up with this video a long time ago when we were in college, and it's for a phrase. Peter referred to it as Sunday punting. So, um, I think we're gonna we're gonna start here by just just playing the clip, and then we'll have Peter give us some more background on what Sunday punting is. Sorry, we're uh, technical difficulties here. And here we go. Sundays, people, a lot of people go like this. Okay, punting, okay? <laughs> and now we're like, oh, there's Captain. We're like, bang, bang, bang. We need to, bang, bang, bang. We need to get going. We can't Sunday punt. We're like, dive over that shit. Fucking pick it up. <laughs> Drink all of it. <laughs> what are we doing tonight, Peter? Drinking. <laughs> oh, that brings back memories watching that. Alright, so Peter, what what is Sunday punting? Um, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure <laughs> if there's a a really way to answer this. Um my brain was just scrambled in that in the first place. Um but I guess I would define it as, uh, you know, somebody kind of taking it easy while, while everybody else is kind of getting after it um, as far as drinking or, you know, even on a Sunday if guys are wanting to do homework or things like that in college where... Things that just don't make sense. Yeah, like, I mean, like, do that Monday morning. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like a weird thing. It's like fitting in, right? Like, it's like everyone, like, you should do this and then you you go and do something else you got like you should you gotta get going right yeah it was yeah it's very like the entire St. Olaf campus or most not the entire but I mean there's a lot of Sunday punters that I've run into at at St. Olaf but you ever see any on the ice in Norway um well not on the ice but there's definitely uh team I would like to call out a couple guys uh you know maybe Sam Coda Minnesota guy if any of you guys know him he's a he's been a couple you know, Sunday he's been, punters. He's been Sunday punting a couple times on me. So, all right. Throw that out there. Well, you know, thank you, Peter Albert, for coming on here. Um, appreciate the insights. And I think we will we will be sure to limit our Sunday punting here at Mile 284 going forward. I, we kind of did it already. We were supposed to have some mimosas here going. But... <laughs> it's Saturday, though. It's not <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> I mean, it's the weekend. <laughs> Fair is enough. It Nine o'clock. I mean, <laughs> ten o'clock. We're late in the morning too. Yeah, I mean, what are we doing? All right. Well, thanks again, Peter, and be sure to follow Peter's career along as he someday soon makes a jump to the NHL. Yep, and we'll have we'll probably have another podcast here shortly. It's getting into NBA draft season, and we've got a number of models that will be projecting college players into the NBA. Um, So stay tuned for that, as well as the rest of the NHL and NBA playoffs. Sundays, people, a lot of people go like this. Okay, punting, okay? And now we're like, oh, there's Captain. We're like, bang, bang, bang. We need to, bang, bang, bang. We need to get going. We can't Sunday punt. We're like, dive over that shit. Fucking pick it up. Drink all of it. (laughs) What are we doing tonight, Peter? Drinking.